our feet as we bless the Lord together. He's worthy, amen.
Give him a hand clap of praise. He's worthy. Hey, before we continue worship, let's just pray together this morning. Lord, we welcome your presence in this place. Lord, we acknowledge we need you, and Lord, we want you in this place. We pray that you would inhabit this place, God, as our hearts and our worship reach out to you today, God. We just pray, Lord, that you would come and be with us. We love you so much, and we invite your presence, and we welcome you, Jesus. Together we bless the Lord. Yeah. 
today. The glory belongs to Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Well, listen, normally we take a moment at this time of the service and offer prayers for needs we may have in our lives. We're going to do that at the end of the service, but today I want us to pray for people that you know that we might be able to bring to church next week and see them be saved. As you know, we've been calling it Friend Day. There's crosses on the walls where people have been writing names of people that they care about, that's close in their world, and with the hopes that they'll make a step to Christ. And uh, during the week, people come by and they pray for them. So we're really believing next week that we're going to have 100 people make steps to Christ. And wouldn't it be a glorious thing if, if a coworker, a family member, a friend, someone you hunt with, fish with, that you were able to bring them to church, and when the altar call came, they made their step to Christ, and you went and stood right with them. Wouldn't that be a glorious day? I mean, that would be a lifelong memory. So I'm going to ask right now that you just think of one person. It doesn't have to be ten people. But one person that you really can believe God with, that God might bring with you, or you might pick them up and bring them to the house of the Lord, but that they may be saved next week. Can we just pray for them right now? I want you to just think of that person in your mind's eye, and let's just say, Lord Jesus, we just pray for them right now. We pray that they would come to the same glorious knowledge of Christ that we have. If they're lost, that they would make a step to Jesus. If they're away from God and backslidden, that they would come home. But we're just praying that to, uh, next, uh, next Sunday is going to be a day, Lord, where we're going to see literally dozens and dozens of people make steps to Christ. And we know it's not just an intellectual thing, but we know that it's the Holy Spirit drawing them to Christ. And we're simply saying we want to be in partnership with you. And we just bless them today. Come on, just think of them right now and just bless them. I want you to just call their name to heaven right now and just say, Lord, I bless them. And I'm just believing that good things are going to follow them next week in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, let's keep worshiping the Lord and we'll pray to, uh, for one another at the end of the service.
just the voice as we sing. And then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou give him some praise. He is a good God. Amen. We bless your name. Well, why don't you turn to two or three people this morning and tell them how happy you are to see him in God's house. Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look is going to give you everything that you need to know about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide is going to give you plenty of opportunities for you to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. And if you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll get a free gift bag. Don't forget about Saturday night meals and snacks in between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. And the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you are here, and we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. church with me 
Oh, come on, Mrs. Edwards, you like my church. We have some hot music. It may not be what you're bumping at all, but it's hot. We get down. What do you say, Mrs. Edwards? Oh, I suppose. I've heard it said that 80% of first-time church visitors come because someone personally invited them. All people need to feel loved and wanted. And for some people, it just takes having someone offer to give them a ride to church. We have something great going on at this church. People's lives are being transformed by God's love. Your homework this week is to find at least one person who could use a little more of that love and invite them to come with you next week. Trust me, it's worth the extra effort. Mrs. Edward, you want to listen to some music on the way? Go ahead, your choice. Okay, here we are. Well, I think that's my favorite all-time commercial. We're going to pray for our Haiti team. We've got a group of folks. One of the big things about our church that excites me the most is our church is a church with a vision for the whole world, not just our little corner of it. We do lots of outreaches here. Actually, we're involved in two new ones we're starting. One's called a renesting project. We're trying to find homeless women or near homeless uh, that don't have a place for they and their kids to live, help get them a house, help get it furnished. We're also helping in a local ministry in a nearby city uh, develop a ministry for girls that are on the street as prostitution, helping them get out of that thing. But anyway, we're doing, this is overseas. This is Haiti. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, we're, we're going to Haiti. There's a group of nine men. We're going to uh, put a, a roof on a church, but it's, it's a lot more than that. The pastor of, the, of that church had previously died and the roof caved in so you can imagine what what the congregation is feeling so we're just we know this is going to be a blessing to them but it's really going to be a blessing to us Amen. Um, we, we really look forward to this and uh, just ask for your continued prayer well, we are very proud of you guys for going, nine guys and a girl. We just want to just pray that the hand of the Lord is on them. Lift your hand towards them just as a sign of spiritual agreement. And we're just going to pray in Jesus' name that God's going to grace them as they go. We're going to pray that God's going to give them wisdom, Lord, to react in a different culture. That God's going to give them supernatural skill that all the work that needs to be done will get done. But, Lord, the greatest work might even be in their hearts as their hearts are enlarged for the burden of God for the whole world. So we just bless them today. We pray that they would be ministering in song. They'd be ministering, preaching, praying, whatever they're doing. But we just pray that God gets them there safely and back home safely. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say it. Amen. 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 Give me a big hand there. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, y'all stay up here just for a minute. Go ahead, go ahead and stay up here. I want to I do something uh, really quick. Take just a couple of minutes. Um, as most of you know, this is the... Uh, year of the 25th anniversary of Pastor John and Linnell coming here to Texarkana. And I uh, want to pay, you can go ahead and do that little clap thing. Um, want to pay tribute to them today. We're going to uh, send them off on a vacation and want to uh, just honor them a little bit. And uh, you know, it, got, it occurred to me, uh, Linnell, a while ago, I've done something like this for them five or six times since I've been here, probably. If it's Pastor Appreciation Day or a birthday or whatever, and, and I'm getting my skills honed at this really well. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I don't know anybody more qualified to give your eulogy than me one of these days. <laughs> so I would just like to. If you outlive him. Yeah, if, if, if I'm there, I would like to uh, put in for that. I, I think I'm qualified. Most people well, that is be comforting. I really, really. <laughs> 
appreciate that. Most people may be too tore up to handle it. I, I think I could pull it off, though. I think I could do it. We're so proud of our pastors. How many of you saw the article in the paper about him this Saturday? You can go back and get Saturday's paper. And uh, they wrote this wonderful long article about Pastor John. As a matter of fact, you ought to call the newspaper, tell them to keep that article. That'd be your obituary right there. That'd be, <laughs> you're not going to do any better than that. And by the way, I know there are hyper-faith, name it and claim it people in the audience. I know we have some here. And they're out there going, don't speak it. Don't say it. Don't say that out loud. It's too late now. It's just, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. When they got here 25 years ago, this church had probably about 300 people. Uh, they were in debt. They were broke. And uh, we probably had a reputation just maybe one step above a snake handling, you know, congregation. We were, uh, and, and, and since then, uh, just since I've been here uh, for 15 years, I've seen and personally uh, have, have witnessed uh, tremendous growth, not only in our, our uh, attendance and our membership, but in our finances. And uh, I don't know, we have over a thousand people, I think, that go to church here now, our attendance. We have probably more members than that. And, uh, and we're healthy financially. We're, we're on good foundations. We have over the last two or three years, just by my going in there, figuring it out and just uh, do a little, a thousand a day, that's seven days a week on average in a year's time that we spend outside the walls of this church where we have uh, mission, outreach, and we have families that we support across uh, the world. And uh, it comes from your faithful giving and the leadership of these two people. I'm so proud of what they have done here. I'm so proud of who they are in the community. Pastor John is at the forefront of every social issue that comes across here, not to mention the lives in this congregation that they both have impacted and the families that they've helped us raise. But the fact that they, uh, if there's an alcohol issue, if, if there's a, uh, uh, an issue that, uh, if it's a racial thing, if it's a, whatever it is, if there's somebody in the town that needs to speak to it, he does it. He is at the forefront of having all the pastors get together and spend time with each other and know each other and pray for each other. A friend of mine that goes to First Baptist Church in Moore's Lane one time came up to me and he said, my pastor, uh, Shreve, uh, spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking about your pastor, uh, Pastor Miller, because of what he does in the community and how thankful he was for him. Listen, we are the guardians of God's reputation. Do you know that? We're the guardians of the reputation of what we represent, and he makes our church proud in this town. He makes us uh, proud to be here. I've been in churches that I wasn't very proud to invite people to go to. I love telling them where I go. And when I do, oh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I know him. I know him. I hear his radio spots. I, I, uh, I see that powerhouse thing. You got, I'm so proud. I don't know, not pride in the biblical sense, I guess, but I'm just so glad that God chose these shepherds to conduct their lives in a way that makes it easy for me to follow their leading. Amen, amen. Is that right? Amen. amen. So here a while back, he comes and he says, listen, the 25th thing is up. Uh, he, he, he talked to the board about this. He said, the 25th uh, anniversary. He said, don't do anything big about that. It, it is a big deal. He said, don't do anything. He said, I'd just like some time off. I'm not functioning at 100% right now. Just like some time off to restore, replenish, uh, uh, revitalize. Just get, just, uh, get some refreshing and, and, uh, and come back to what um, he said, I, th I think I've got another good 10 or 15 years left. In I want to get set up for that. Praise the Lord. And uh, I want to tell you, he's going to be leaving for a while. He's not leaving for any other reason than what I told you. 
He's not running from the law. Uh, we're not. There's no scandal. We're not sticking him off to the side till things cool down. I'm running from uh, you. <laughs> yeah. His marriage isn't in trouble. He's not pregnant. I mean, it's not that stuff. Thank God. There was one lady that came up and said, I'm afraid he's going to go to another church. And I said, hey, he's 58 years old. Where's he going to go? He's not going to be a youth pastor for anybody else. Anyway, I would like you to reach your hand towards him. I'm going to pray for him. And we're going to bless them, and we're going to recommission them for the next 10 years of greatness. And God's going to do great things in this church. They've got a wedding coming up. They've got other things to do. This is a great time for them to get away, and we're going to bless them right now, okay? I'm going to pray you agree with me, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love these folks. Father, I want to thank you just personally for what John and Linnell mean to my life and my family. What a good friend he is to us. Thank you for Pastor John's leadership, Lord, and his willingness to listen to your word and to give us out of his mouth that which you've laid on his heart every week and how faithful they are, Lord. We thank you for Linnell, Father, the publications uh, she writes for, Father, the mission trips she leads, that she's neck deep in anything that needs to be done in this church, Father. We just bless them, Lord. We ask that you replenish Pastor John's energy and his strength, Father. We ask that you would revitalize, restore, refresh, give him a new vision to lead this church in the years to come, Father. We ask that you give them long life, good health, Father, in the name of Jesus. Because we sure do love them, and we sure do love you. Hallelujah. Would you join me in showing them how much we appreciate the work they've done? We love our pastors, amen? I'm telling you, the best pastors in the world. You know, before uh, Whitney and I were ever on staff here, we chose this church and attended here for years before we ever came on, and we love y'all. But it's offering time. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. And the Word of God says this, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What a great verse, amen? Uh, recently, we took a group of about almost 60 students and then a bunch of leaders with us on a spring break trip. And we went down to the Gulf of Mexico and had a great time, uh, more so than just playing on the beach. It was a spiritual trip. Uh, we had a lot of kids get saved, rededicate their life. At the end of the trip, we baptized 20-something kids in the Gulf of Mexico. It's just an amazing trip. And uh, not just a great trip there, but even what was going on back home. And I want to read you a text message that we received while we were on the trip. This is from a parent. It says, I got a text message from my son late last night, and he was saying he was sorry. I said, sorry for what? And he said, sorry for everything, mom. And then he said he got saved. I'm so happy. Uh, it brings tears of joy to my eyes. And that was a very th hard thing for him to do and to text me and saying that he was sorry for everything. We've been through so much lately in our life. And then it goes on and talks about some stuff. I'm telling you, we serve a good God, amen? We serve a God that's faithful. We serve a God that loves us. And I'm telling you, every week when we get the opportunity to give, 
We're not just putting some money in and, and, and hoping it does something good. I'm telling you, God turns our resources into people and into blessings and into salvations. And uh, I just want to encourage you, man, every time you give, every time you sow, it's touching people's lives. Amen. And so God bless you as you give. We're so thankful for a church that reaches out to people. Amen. Nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare to our presence of God, nothing mystical, weird, or spooky, but the reality that Jesus is near. That's what we want today and every day of our life in Jesus' name. Anybody said? Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they're looking good today. Good to see you. Well, turn your Bibles today, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and Numbers 13, 1. As we prepare to get into the Word, we're going to kind of do part two from last week. Last week it was called Hold On. This week we're going to Hold On Part Two. But uh, the last 25 years has been the greatest years of our life. It's been challenging, but in the sense of what we feel is personal, personal satisfaction, obedience to God, life purpose, it's been here lived with you. And we're honored to be here and hope for another 10 or 15 more. Uh, my wife, of course, had breast cancer not too long ago, and I'm happy to tell you she's doing great. And uh, we rejoice in that. But shortly after that ordeal, I started battling with a chemical imbalance, and uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but uh, I just say it's kind of like uh, being on a ride at Six Flags, the one that falls straight down, and the uh, only thing you don't have the seatbelt on, and the guy at the bottom has a can of beer cans next to him. You don't know if he knows how to work the brake. And it just kind of has some of those dynamics. And uh, I have felt uh, uh, for a while and asked my pastors, those that pastor me, uh, and they recommended take a sabbatical, get away and rest so you can come back and lead this 
this church 100%, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, let me say this. Our church is in a healthy spot. Uh, we've got a good leadership team, got some great people lined up for the pulpit. Uh, our Imagine More is going forwards. We've got over 216000 in a fund that's uh, towards the uh, addition to our property. I talked to the architect uh, yesterday, and he said he's going back to the city this week. We're moving forwards, and uh, pretty soon we'll uh, hopefully have some real detailed plans and, uh, and move forwards with that. But I want to ask you to do two things. I want to ask you, number one, if you'll pray for me the next couple months. I plan to leave start tomorrow and uh, be gone till my son's wedding, which is in early June. And uh, so I want to ask you to pray for our family. And uh, also I ask you to stay committed to your church. Stay committed. Keep attending. Uh, keep praying for your church. Keep serving. Keep giving. Keep doing those things that make this the place that it is. Everybody say praise the Lord on that. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate it. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God will do this, for he is, he is faithful to do what he says. Let's say that again. He is faithful to do what he says. And that word faithful, it simply means he's true to his word and that God will do it uh, if we'll do our part, which is very key. God's not just going to arbitrarily act, but oftentimes there's partnership. And for God to be faithful, we have to be responsive to what he asks us to do. And Numbers 13, 1, the promise God made to the Israelite people, uh, the Lord said to Moses, send men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. Now, here's the promise. God said, I'm giving you this land. The only problem is they've got to cross a river and dispossess thousands of people that live there. But in the eyes of God, it was a done deal. They would just have to walk through the process to see God's word fulfilled. Now, that's huge because that's the way the promises of God work. For example, let's say you're a single person and you're seeking God and you really want to be married. And uh, the people that you've dated and been around, I mean, they're just not it. I mean, they don't have the same Christian values you do. And you really feel impressed of God that God's going to bring you a godly man in your life. Well, you might have to wait a while for Prince Charming to ride up on his horse. I mean, know what I'm talking about. So there's something that we have to do in this process. Now, last week we illustrated the fact that uh, the children of Israel got this promise from God that they were going to go through the wilderness or go towards the promised land and God was going to give it to them. And they sent 12 spies to go and check out that land. And as these spies checked out this land, what they found is there were giants that were living there. These giants had walled cities and it made it look impossible for it to happen. So the idea of hold on was this is supposed to be a bucking bull, okay? And I'm happy to say it did not throw me off last week. But on a little bit similar to this guy, whoa now, whoa. All right, there you go. Now just imagine you're in the chute of riding that bull. Now, I, I watched a couple of bull riders, and in the, even in the chute, that bull is bucking, bounce the old guy's head into the, into the front there. But what they always make sure of, I've watched this, is they make sure that they've got this rope and this strap that they can hold on to this bull. They need two hands. They hold on with one hand, and one hand male ego says, watch me as I do this thing. <laughs> but this strap is holding on by faith that they're going to make it to the end. And I suggest to you, this is the promise of God that God gives us. And when we face difficult circumstances in life, we've got to hold on to the word of God before it comes to pass. So that's a good boy. This week, it's going to be part two. And uh, as we start, well, in part two, numbers 14, what we're going to look at, you're going to learn three things. 
you're going to learn that just as faith brings blessing, good consequences, our unbelief brings bad consequences. We're going to look that those consequences not only affect us, but they affect our children and those we love. And lastly, we're going to celebrate the faith of two men called Caleb and Joshua. But I want to show you this video first. It's about this idea of trusting God when you can't see how he's going to do it, when you can't figure out how he's going to do it, but choosing to trust him anyway. So take a peek. I think you'll get a kick out of it. And then we'll be in Numbers chapter 14. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. You. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm -hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. Right, well, this is all part of the exercise. Oh, all right. Okay. Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. <laughs> you can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust Good. you. Yes, I do trust you. I'm gonna fall. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right. I'm really gonna do it. Okay. Good. close. You need to move back. Ah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one's a little bit different, Laura. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. <laughs> yes. The okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus, I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. <laughs> Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. That's exactly what the 10 spies said when they looked into the land and they said, we can't go in there because giants live there and there's walled cities. We're not going to trust God because God's not able. So that's the way this thing called face works is you may not see how God's going to do it. The finances may not make sense. The lawyer may disagree. The doctor may say it's impossible, but how many know God has the last word? And when he speaks to us, we can lay hold of that word. So let's continue now. Hold on part two. Numbers chapter 14. And again, you know the story. Uh, we've got about two million Israelites. They left Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. It's the land of Israel. Well, Israel inhabits today, but it was much larger back then. And they're going to the promised land. They send out 12 spies, one from each tribe, to look at the land, to check it out, to see what's it going to be like. 
10 come back and say we can't do it, 2 say we can, and somehow the language of these 10 affected a million and a half, 2 million people. They literally believed it was impossible and it spread like Ebola. So let's read Numbers 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Now listen to this. If only we died in Egypt. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? So now that's a lot different than I'm bringing you into the land that flows milk and nut with honey. And they're saying, why is God bringing us here to kill us? Something happened from the fact, the promise that God said, to where it got into the realm of feelings with the people, the realm of reason, the realm of experience, and the promise of God did just like that. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Now, Egypt in the Bible is a picture of the world. It's where we were, not where we're going. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt well, Joshua and Caleb, now here's the two that would be leaders. One day Joshua would succeed Moses as the leader. Joshua and Caleb said, hey guys, wait a minute. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good if the Lord is pleased with us. Now how many know God may not be pleased with us? And the pleasing part would be determined by if they obeyed the Lord and had faith. If God's pleased with us, he will lead us in the land. In other words, it won't just be dependent on us but God will lead us in. Uh, don't be afraid of the people because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Now, how could he believe that? Simply by faith that God said, I'm going to give you the land. So faith lets you see beyond the problem, beyond the circumstance, and see God. Well, the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Their minds were made up. And then the Bible says the glory of the Lord appeared and it was trouble for all the Israelites. Now, there's a couple observations as we go. What we're going to do is we're going to take this chapter. Uh, we're going to condense three, four, five verses, and then we'll talk about it and then we'll move throughout the chapter. Now, here's the first thing. God states facts. When God makes a promise, it's a fact. I'm giving you this land. But circumstances can create feelings inside us that breed doubt. Remember last week, the Nephilim lived there, uh, the sons of Anak. In other words, giants are in this land. The cities are walled. It's going to be impossible for us to get in there. It's not going to work. So these were feelings that bred doubt. But faith believes that God's word in spite of the facts. Let me say it again. Faith believes what God says in spite of the facts. You know, as I told you, in this struggle with this, with this chemical imbalance, I woke up one morning, and I've done more praying in the last six months, and I can tell you this, more seeking God. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for doctors, but doctors have not fixed my problem yet. Don't get me wrong. I don't discount the doctor, but they're not where, they're not where I want to be, and I've been seeking God for God's help, but God has the ability to do things what cannot be done any other way. And I woke up one morning, and as I got out of bed, it was just as clear as a bell. I heard the word of the Lord speak to me. You say, well, how'd you hear it? I'm not sure. But somehow, I sense God say to me, when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And it immediately brought to mind to me the passage of Scripture where, where Jesus said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail, and when you return to me, strengthen your brethren, and the sistren too, Okay. That's my only little joke there, but it just kind of went over. 
But what that said to me was, is I've got something to hold on to that when I'm not feeling good, when I'm not feeling I'm going to make it, there's a promise from God that God spoke to me. And, and he didn't speak to me because I'm the preacher. He spoke to me because I'm spending time with him and his word, come on, seeking his face, just like you. Now, let's read Romans because this is not just a, an, an Old Testament phenomena. Romans 14, it's about Abraham. You remember God gave him a promise when he was a young man that Abraham would go become the father of many nations, millions of people. He gave it to him at 75. His wife is 65. And now Abraham later on is 99 and Sarah is about 90. How many know 90-year-old women don't have babies? And all the women said, Amen. yeah, thank God. My 15-year-old pretty much has her way with me now, and I'm only 57. I can't imagine if I was 95, y'all, she'd have to do stick her head in the room, and I'd say, okay. But anyway, erase that, Rebecca, if you're here in this room. Uh, Romans chapter 4, God calls into existence the things that don't exist. You see, God had made him a promise, I have made you, plural, or past tense, the father of many nations, and God can call things into existence. So Abraham, in hope against hope, he believed that he should become the father of many nations. In other words, it seemed impossible, but he kept hoping. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he looked at his own body. Now, faith does not deny the facts. Faith looks at his 99-year-old body. Faith looks at Sarah's barren womb. But the Bible says no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. The key is the promise, unbelief, doubt, or the thieves. But now how do you grow strong? Because I don't know about you, but I have days when I'm waiting for God now. I've been waiting for God for this particular healing for six months. It's easy to put it in the microwave and popcorn but come on now, when six months goes by and you don't have your answer, here's the key. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Now, this is the English Standard Version. It is the most little of the versions that I preach from. So what this is saying basically is his, his praise helped his faith grow. That when you're in the middle of what am I going to do and is this going to work and how's it going to happen, something inside rises up within you and said, thank you, Lord, that I'm going to return to the brethren. Let's keep going. Now, verse 11, back to the story of the, of the Israelites. Now, God has observed the people's unbelief. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs and miracles that I performed among them, I'm going to strike them down with a plague and destroy them. Now, some people say, oh, God would never do that. God would never send people to hell. If that's what God's like, I would never serve a God like that. Well, honey, that's your only choice. Because there is only one God. And sin and rebellion and disobedience can push him towards an anger state. But look what happened in verse 13. Moses said to the Lord, kind of a reminder here, verse 18, the Lord is slow to anger. Now, 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 I want you to think about this. When God's character and nature is revealed, the first thing he said is not that I'm going to whack you. Some people have a false image of God that he's got a fly swatter ready to smack you. No, he's slow to anger. And he does what? He is. Ooh, aren't you glad for that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he forgives our sin and rebellion. But now here's the balance. Here's the heads and the tails of the coin. Here's the other side. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. In other words, there can be forgiveness and consequences. 
And now he's quoting the Ten Commandments. He punishes the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In a, but in accordance with your great love, forgive their sin. And God said, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the earth, not one of them will ever see the land I promised to their ancestors. Now, I'm telling you, we've got 2 million people. Let's say we've got 750,000 adults. All those 20 and older, none of them are going in the promised land because throughout the night when the spies brought the bad report, they all talked about it and they all said, we're going to believe the worst. We're going to believe God's not able. And it literally cost them the rest of their lives. So what do we learn from this? Sin can be forgiven and unbelief, but it has consequences that affect us for a lifetime. Our bad choices, even as Christians, you can be someone who prays in the spirit and who tithes and goes to church, but, but, but if you make wrong bad choices, if, if unbelief dominates you, if you sin against God, you're going to have some bad consequences. But the flip side, come on, if you're making good godly choices, God's going to bless your socks off. So I don't know about you, but I'm resolving today that I'm going to follow the Joshua and Caleb crowd and I'm going to do what Lord, the Lord says and I'm going to be blessed by God, huh? That's the desire for my life. And boy, if I mess up, when I mess up, I'm going to quickly come to God for forgiveness. <laughs> yeah, that's what it teaches us. Now let's go to verse 25. Now God's going to tell them, now judgment begins uh, that they're going to have to go into the wilderness. They had a promised land that flowed with milk and honey, but now they're going to have to live the rest of their life in the wilderness. Verse 25, the Amalekites and Canaanites are living in the valleys. These are the bad guys. So turn back tomorrow and set out towards the desert along the route to the Red Sea. Do you realize they were 11 miles from the promised land, but it would take them 40 years to get there. But in the goodness of God, God didn't send them to the people that were going to kill them. God sent them, though, in a tough way, and they, you know, they never got to build houses and settle down. They never got to build soccer fields and play soccer. Uh, I mean, just think about every day, two million people going to the bathroom. I mean, I'd want to move around a bit, too. How about you? I mean, I mean it just, it, it stinketh around here. I mean, I mean, listen now, let's just be honest. They're wandering 40 years. Your children will be shepherds 40 years, listen now, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Now, here what we, we learned, that there are consequences for their choices, but here's the big point. People I love can suffer for my sin. Joshua and Caleb were their friends. They suffered for the sins of the multitude. Now, they finally went to the promised land, but they all suffered, and, and here's what I want to tell you. I want to go back and quote the Ten Commandments now. Exodus 20, verse 4. You must not make for yourself an idol, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, and I will not tolerate your affection with other gods. Gods can be your hobby. Gods can be a person. Gods can be, God can be some material object. God can be a house. Uh, your God can be sports. I mean, there's lots of things that aren't little statues that can occupy the place of God. But God said, I won't tolerate any other uh, but notice what he says. I will lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the entire family will be affected. Even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, here's good news, but I'm going to lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So consequences for the bad, yeah, for a while, 
but is there consequences for the good? Absolutely, for a long, long time. Now, I want to go back to this, though, and I want to remind you that your children will be suffered or blessed because of your choices. You don't believe me? Watch pornography. Your kid's going to be watching pornography. You say, oh, I hide it real good. They know, where you're, they know where every hiding place is in your house. Well, it's on my computer. Well, dummy, they know more about your computer than you do. You want them watching porn? You may justify it because you just limit it to people your own age. Well, what if they get in child porn? Is that what you want? You want your 19-year-old to end up on the front page of the paper with a 12-year-old, you know, a 12-year-old in the background? Is that what you want? How about adultery? You choose to be unfaithful to your spouse. Your kids know about it. Is that what you want? You want adulterous children? I can tell you, listen, that child can break it. It's, a, a mom can stop it. A dad can stop it. What's happened before, many of us in this room have had adulterous parents and grandparents, and you've chosen to break it. But it's hard. It's hard when you grew up looking at pornography. It's hard when you get in, got the wink from your grandparent, you on about going on a date. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. How about, alco how about alcohol? Now, okay, alcohol's not a sin, okay? I could, I could argue with you either way on this one, but alcohol's not a sin in the Bible. Drunkenness is. But I don't think I want my kids drinking. You may be able to drive with two beers, but your kid may not. I don't want my daughter drinking when she's on a date because I used to buy girls beer and it wasn't because we were thirsty and we were hydrating our bodies. Drugs? Yeah, but God created marijuana, Pastor. It's natural. God created opium too. But it's being legalized, and so you can justify whatever you want to. But I'm telling you, if you're rolling little numbers there in your household, or if you're filling the peace pipe and your kids are around, they will too. And they may want to make some money one day, and they're going to end up in jail. Come on now. The sins of the fathers will affect the children to the third and the fourth generation. And that's exactly what happened in the Bible. But how about if they go on a missions trip? How about my own daughter, uh, this youth trip that they were just talking about, well, she's playing softball, so the coach does what a coach has to do today. If you don't show up to the game, you're off the team, or you're going to run till your legs fall off. Oh, Daddy, I have to go, I have to go. Well, so Pastor Travis and I kept trying to find a way. I called the coach, and the coach was as gracious as he can be. He said, take your daughter to that game. He must have knew that the weather, that it was going to rain every day while they were gone. But she gets down there, and I got the cookie. She gave me permission to say this, by the way, in this service, not the last one where she heard about it. <laughs> but I get this little video clip from the missions trip, and it's showing this woman praying. And she's saying... Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my congressman today, and I pray for the senators, and I pray that America would return to the God of their founders, and I ask you to forgive us and let America become a righteous nation. And I looked at Linnell, and I said, who is that doing that praying? And I said, that's a woman of God. That's your daughter, Rebecca, that's praying. And she comes, and she comes home, and she said, God's renewed my call to the mission field. Now, look. 
that doesn't happen if you're laying on the couch doing Snapchat. And Snapchat is, here are my Fruit Loops for breakfast. Here is me eating Fruit Loops. Here is my cat. All day long. So what's the moral of that story? Whenever they have anything for youth, it's more than just a service. Get your kids there, especially the backslidden ones. And here's what they'll tell you. Nobody likes me there. They don't talk to me. Yeah, because they're all on the front row worshiping and you're on the back row going. Nobody goes to my school. Or the problem is, it's a real good chance your child is back. So, now listen, kids have problems. Kids are insecure, and I don't minimize that at all. And kids need friends more than I need friends. But you get your kids in an environment where these people are after God 100%. They're going to just get swallowed and caught up in it. All that's extra. Verse 39, the youth pastor owes me lunch. Verse 39. Now, Moses reports this to the Israelites. Now, this is, this is an interesting passage. I'm going to wind up here. I'm going to need a couple extra minutes today. When Moses reported this to the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. But early the next morning, they set out and said, Now we're ready to go up to the land the Lord promised. Surely we have sinned. Now, isn't that a great thing that they just said? The only problem is they should have said it a chapter earlier. And there's some profound lessons in this. But Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? How many know obedience at the wrong time is still disobedience? This will not succeed. Well, why wouldn't it? Their swords were still sharp. They still had their attack dogs. Come on. They still had whatever, the rocks that they were going to shoot at them. Well, what does it mean it won't succeed? Don't go up because the Lord is not with you. And can I tell you this, Christian? Every good thing in your life is because of Jesus. Every successful business deal you close, every successful surgery, come on now, every time you complete a job, every time you get a contract, every time you get up out of the bed and breathe air, come on, every time you're able to make your hands do this instead of that because you can't control your muscle, every time your eyes operate, it's the goodness of the Lord. But we think sometimes that it's because of us. And this is the pride that the people had. You'll be defeated. But nevertheless, in their presumption, that word presumption, it means blind or a headstrong self-confidence. You know, I find myself sometimes more in the past than now, used to be attracted to people that were just really confident. I mean, they had their chest poked out and they were just big and they were going to do it and their hair was perfect and it's blessed God and they might even cuss a little bit and they just talked strong and they were charismatic and they were overbearing and they had money and everybody wants their kids to be like that because they're successful until God pulls the rug out from their feet and they realize that they can't do a thing without Jesus. They become a sputtering fool. Come on, just like the king uh, in, in, in the book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, well, I lost my place. You'll be defeated by your enemies, but nevertheless, in the presumption they went up and then the Amalekites and Canaanites came down, attacked them and beat them and off they go. So what's the lesson here? You can't do anything without God. Zechariah says, it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Paul said in Acts, in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. 
Here's the second lesson here as I kind of get quick. You got to act in God's timing. If you want to succeed, you've got to do what God says when he says to do it. Now, every lady in this room knows this. If in the back of the paper, if it says Dillard's 60% off sale today only, yeah, ooh, today only, now wait now, today only an additional 40%. Now that doesn't mean they're going to give it to you hundred percent. That's 40% off the original. I think that's 80%, but we need to ask a child to help us on our math. Okay. But here's what it says. One day only. So you cut out the coupon and then about a week later you march down there and you're looking at the new spring merchandise and you want that $150 pair of shoes for whatever it would be uh, to $30. And they look at you like, sister, are you crazy? <laughs> and they got that, that, that beautiful Estee Lauder smile on all their faces and, and you give them the coupon and they're thinking, this woman is the stupidest woman that's been in this store all day. Can't she read? It says one day only, but she says, oh ma'am, I'm just so sorry for you, but we have other beautiful merchandise right over here. If I could show this to you, she's just trying to sell you. But in the back of her mind, she's saying you're stupid because you're acted in the wrong timing. And that's exactly what these guys did. God said, go. They said no. And then when they said you go, God said, no, you got to do it. And the last thing, and this is the most tragic in the whole story. Sometimes it's too late to repent. Repent means to turn around and go back with God. And the illusion many people live under, particularly younger people, is when I get older, I'll turn to God. When I get older, I'll serve God. When I get older, I'll start to tithe. When I get older, I'll go on a mission trip. When I get older, I'll answer the call. My friend, there's no guarantee of that because the door can close. The parable of the ten virgins in the New Testament, five wives, five foolish, five were prepared and ready to go. Five didn't have their oil. And when the master of the house came, Jesus' second coming, five were left out in the cold. So what, you, what are you telling me, Pastor? I'm saying, if you know you're not right with God, I wouldn't leave this building today the night before I'd made a step to Christ. Because the devil will whisper in your ear, you can pray in the car just like you can in the church. Who's that preacher anyway? I'm just somebody that knows you don't pray in the car because when you get in the car, the kids are wanting to know where we're going to lunch and you already started a fight. Let's close. Uh, back kind of in the middle of the story with Caleb, here's the good part about reward and obedience. It says in verse 24, after it's talked about, you know, the guys that blew it and died in the wilderness. Look at verse 24. My servant Caleb has a... He has a different spirit. Now, what in the world is that? And he follows me wholeheartedly. I'm going to bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. So now the only question is, what have we learned about Caleb in two chapters, and what is this different spirit he had? Because every one of us in this room want it, right? Well, here's the first thing. He believed what God said instead of what the facts told him. He believed the promise of God when everybody else said the spies are out there, not the spies, but the giants are out there and it's going to be impossible. He believed God. The second thing he did, and you may say, oh, you're going too fast. I can't write this down. All these notes are on the internet before the weekend starts. You can bring your iPad and look at it now. You can download it anytime you want to, or if you've got uh, good eyes, you can look at it on your phone. Uh, but the second thing, he vocalized what he believed to others. There's something powerful about me speaking what I believe. Because here's what my thoughts tell me. 
You're going to get old. You're going to die. You're not going to be able to preach anymore. You're never going to get better. You're always going to feel bad. The medicine will never work. God's not going to answer your prayer. You're being punished. Uh, this suffering is from the devil. It's because of your mistakes you made when you were a child. And then when you say out loud, when you say, when you return to me, strengthen the brethren. Fear not, for I am with you. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Fear not sudden terror. You say, well, those are sure nice things you're saying. Yeah, they're all from the Bible. Faith is a partnership with God. Our part is to believe his promise and hold on. His part is to do what he said. And here's what he said in Philippians. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm standing to you today. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of all of our praise. Praise the Lord. Give him praise today. Majestic and awesome God. Let's all stand. We're going to close with, with prayer this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just love you right now. Just slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, let this get deep in me. Let this get deep in me and help me to have the promise of God so when I tie the knot in my rope, I'm holding on. Let me have the, let me have the whatever it takes to press into God until I get a word from God. Because God's not a respecter of persons and he's not just a respecter of the preacher. It's there for the one who seeks his face will find him. Come on, talk to God right now. Just say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? I don't want to end up like those 10 spies and die in the wilderness. I don't want to get to the end of my life and realize what it could have been, but I made some choices and it disqualified me. Lord, I know I've said no to you many times in my life, but I, I, I want another chance if it's not too late. I want to say yes to the call of God. I want to say yes to serving you. I, I want to say yes to investing my time, my talent, my resources. I want to say yes. I, I, I want to make it. I want my life to have lived, and I want to hear the well done. Help me, Holy Spirit. Come on, Pastor Nick, just sing. And Holy Spirit, would you just settle in the church today? Yeah.
today, we always make time and service for personal prayer. Because if you're like me, there's just things that go on sometimes and you need God to help you and you need another person to pray with you. Well, this is that time. There's going to be people that will remain up here as long as you want to for prayer. But I would think that there's people in here that need to respond to this message. Because maybe you're in a, a difficult time and it's easy for me to say, hold on to the rope. Well, you don't know what to hold on to. You don't have a promise from God. And I'm not suggesting you're going to get one up here. You could, but, but, but I am telling you this. God will give you one. And this would be a great first step to say, Lord, I need to hear from you so I'll know what to do in the future. Or, or maybe you're on the back of that bull and it's bucking you and it's not like my little model bull up here. It's just a bucking real hard and you're having a hard time holding on. And if that's you, I'm going to encourage you to come and somebody's going to pray that your faith is going to be made strong and you're going to make it to the other side. But the most important thing I'd encourage prayer for today is if you need to get right with God. Because, my friend, there is no promise of tomorrow. Now is the day of salvation, the Bible says. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with God. Some of us could have backslidden and you want to come back to Christ. Others may have never been born again, never been saved, never committed your life to Christ, never surrendered to follow Him, never asked for God's forgiveness. Today, my friend, is your day. I was raised in church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Receiving Him as your Savior is what makes you a Christian. So whatever it may be, now our prayer team is going to come to the front right now. We're going to sing one last song. And as our prayer team comes, they're just going to slip on up here. There'll be about a dozen men and women. Just come on up, prayer team. And if you want prayer for anything, you just come and join them this morning. Just come on up and just say, Pastor, or just say to them, I need prayer. Whatever it may be, whether it's something in this message, something in your personal life, you may need to get saved. You may need to get right with God. That's it. Just ask people to let you get out of your chair and just slip on up here. And this could be the most powerful moments of the morning for you as we pray. I love you very much. And Lord willing, I'll see you in June.